Welcome to the 7220sports.com kickoff show presented by Brown and Gold. This show is also sponsored in part by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, Wild Lotto, Papa Murphy's Pizza, Rocky Mountain Shirtworks, and Lovejoy's Bar and Grill. Jared Newland, it's Border War Day. This is usually my Christmas, Thanksgiving, birthday, St. Patrick's Day all rolled into one. Still excited about it, but oh, it's hard to not think about last week. I know the players have a 24-hour rule. I hope they're not feeling like I've been feeling all week because what I witnessed in Boise, Idaho last week was absolutely disgusting. It was so bad, I pretty much just turned the page when I got home that night because <laughs> I was at a party. And, I mean, it didn't hurt me like the New Mexico game did because New Mexico was so – I mean, they had a chance. The Cowboys were right there. Should have put Air Force away. They didn't. And woulda, coulda, shoulda all that kind of stuff. But the way that the Boise State game unfolded, it was ugly. And it is probably one of the top five worst games I've ever watched the Cowboys play because they should have played better. Yeah. But it goes back to 2016, New Mexico. Yeah. But the Cowboys already had the division wrapped up again, you know, going into New Mexico. That was a different thing. Wyoming had so many things ahead of them, so many – um, goals to obtain. Yeah. And now they may be unobtainable mm-hmm. without some help. Yeah, I need a ton of help. You know, you and I have been to a lot of games, a lot, a lot of games in our lives. I, I know I didn't miss one in Laramie for like 27 straight years. Uh, I don't recall a game where Wyoming was good and played this poorly. And it was just from the opening snap. And I put that in my turning point story that I I was thinking after the game, what was the turning point of this game? No way it could be a holding call on the very first snap of the game, but really it was, and nothing ever was the same after that. And imagine if that wasn't called back. That's a nice little 11-yard scamper on first down. Maybe that gets the wheels rolling. And who knows what happens on second down. Maybe it's a throw to Welch for 15 yards. Maybe Whaley breaks one. Who knows? And then you start breaking Boise State spirit, who was teetering a little bit on, you know, is and that's what I think we both thought going into this game. Is this going to be... The caged animal that Craig Bowles talking about, which I think we both knew that'd be the case. This this is a prideful, uh, most successful program in the Mountain West. They've been bullying teams for years, so you knew they weren't just going to go down. But you start adding a couple touchdowns, they might stop believing, and it could have steamrolled on them and been the avalanche for them instead of on the uh, instead of for the visitors. And we called out the Boise State fans. Thirty-five thousand out of thirty-six thousand showed up. Yeah, no, it filled. <laughs> it filled for in. a team with a losing record. Yeah, that's no, crazy. They love skiing. The skiing <laughs> thing definitely did happen. It was on. Did the, you did you use the QR absolutely code? Absolutely not. I am anti-skiing. It's a Colorado and Utah sport. I am anti. That's a diss on Wyoming skiing. Exactly. <laughs> Man, you need to get out more. <laughs> Uh, No, we'll talk plenty about this border war coming up, but, you know, it's really hard not to think about what we witnessed. I mean, and I didn't write a column after this game, Jared, because I needed to digest what I just saw. And I asked after the game, I mean, people always say, oh, nobody ever asked Bull the tough questions. That's Bull. Talked to him right after the game, and I literally looked at him and said, why? After he went on his little rant about everything that happened, oh, we just weren't ready to play. Why? How? How in the hell were you not ready to play this game? Didn't have a good excuse. Uh, The excuse came on Monday, and I wrote the column right when I got home because I think I was just as shocked by the excuse 
Uh, here's Craig Bowl talking about why his team was not ready to play inside Albertson Stadium. What I failed to do, Cody, was really express to our team the type of opponent that we were going to be playing. I think our, our, our players might have looked and said, okay, you know what, they've got a losing record. They're not like Boise. Uh, you know, this is our chance. We're going to whoop up on them. And uh, I knew enough that um, they were going to come in and be like a caged animal and play really relentless and hard and aggressive. And I failed to get that across. So I don't necessarily think I would have changed the practice routine, but I probably should have spent more time uh, going through and, and really emphasizing that they have really good players who are heavily recruited, who have not played well, and they just lost a game that they never should have lost. And most of the time, Cody, we talk about our mentality. We're all, our mentality should have been one of, Okay, we're getting ready to play Texas Tech, and we got a chip on our shoulder. And man, if we don't bring our A game, we're going to get embarrassed. We didn't. They weren't ready. And you know, it's easy to. to I mean, like I said, I failed to get our football team ready. He didn't do a good enough job, Jared, conveying that Boise State is a really, really good football program who played a. It's not like they've been playing the Little Sisters of the Poor this year either. They were a game under 500 coming in, but they've lost to some really good teams like, you know, Washington, uh, Central Florida's nothing. They're in the Big 12 now. Um, Memphis is not an easy place to play. I think Boise State has not looked like Boise State this year. Wyoming sure made them, did a good job of making them look like they used to. But how do you have to convey that? How do, why would you need to convey that to your team, A? And B, this is a road game. Under Craig Bowl, the Cowboys are 18-50, and 5-0 on the road away from War Memorial Stadium. They've lost five straight away from home. They've had one conference win in Bowl's era over a team that finished with a winning record, and that is Utah State in 2021, the team Andrew Peasley was on that ended up winning the Mountain West, uh, Mountain West Championship. They're 1-17 now against Boise State, 0-9 on the road. This was a systematic failure from top to bottom, and that excuse sucks. And eating crow sucks. I'm going <laughs> to admit that I, I'm eating it because I really thought Wyoming was in a position to come out last week and not – I mean, they were going to win the game hand, handily, which is, for this team, 10 points. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I just – I never saw this coming, and anybody who took them, I apologize if you actually – Take my picks. Uh, somebody in Salt Lake, that is. Uh, but at the same time, I excuses from Craig Bull saying that. How could – I mean, how? And what about the other 11 to 14 coaches with GAs and everybody on that, on that staff? Yeah, Craig, maybe you didn't get them. But what about your position coaches getting their guys ready? Why do you need to? A collective. And – a lead, the leadership of Andrew Peasley, a Frank Crum, mm-hmm. that's up to you guys too. Mm-hmm. Maybe you close the door on Friday when you get to Boise and say, hey guys, I know we didn't have that great of a week of practice, but we have so much ahead of us in this game. Well, and Bull said the week of practice was great. He never saw this train wreck coming. <laughs> the only quote other on the negatives, I'm in the positive side that I took out of one of your columns this week was Jay Jay Savell mm-hmm. was pleasantly surprised on how well practice went on Sunday. Yes. Preparing for the sheep this week. Yes. 
Yeah, and he literally said, yeah, I was surprised because how could you not be <laughs> just just show up and have nothing left to give? I mean, how can you not after a game like that? It was so, so bad. And to put it in perspective, guys, just how bad this was, Wyoming's offense amassed just 112 yards of total offense, 27 on the ground. Andrew Peasley, they managed to pick up, Andrew Peasley in the office, they managed to pick up one third down on 11 tries. Uh, running back Harrison Whaley, who made his, uh, you know, return to the field after that injury against Fresno State that we were all worried he might not have, not play again this year, uh, 11 yards on 10 carries, 1.8 yards per carry. That goes to show you he's not 100%, or he wasn't at that time. Well, I know he certainly and, didn't have any blocking. And the O-line just was horse you-know-what. Yes, and and Craig or, uh, Frank Crum admitted as much after the game that they just were not getting it done. However, in pass pro, <laughs> Andrew Peasley had a lot of time to throw the ball most more times than not. Um, but nobody was getting open again. Nobody was getting open. And I had a I had a fan writing me going, there were people wide there were receivers wide open all over the field. The press box at at Albertson Stadium is so high that the only cool part about it is you can see plays develop and you can see with your perifs. No one was open. And when Peasley would scramble out of the pocket, guys would just stop. And they're not doing a scramble drill trying to get open, doing some schoolyard ball. They just kind of stop and hug their guy, and that's that. I mean, nobody was open. Um, the visitors snapped the ball on first down just 19 times. Wyoming, 19 first down snaps. Half of those resulted in negative yardage, and two of them via the penalty or no gain. Six others went for three yards or less. They're making zero hay on first down, so they're putting themselves in impossible spots on third down. I'm surprised they didn't. I'm surprised Peasley only threw one pick. Every third down was third and long. They just they put themselves in such bad shape. This is the one that really stuck out to me though. After the game, this offense never crossed the 50 yard line once. And that includes starting a drive in the first quarter on the 49-yard line. That's Colby Taylor picking up that tail and green fumble and rumbling to the 49-yard line. They got it to the 50, and that was it. Speechless. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get much worse. And, you know, the defense, too. It wasn't. It was a bad, bad movie all the way around, to steal a Craig Bull quote. It was a bad movie. And the defense wasn't much better. They, But like we talked about before we came on the air, and like I talked, Jay Savell was really preaching this to me this week. Dude, it was a one-possession game. It was a one-possession game until Boise State scored right before the half. So as ugly as that was and as terrible as that was, and I, and I was saying the same thing in the press box, can you believe this is only a one-possession game? This feels like an absolute murder scene. But if you think about it, too, without Boise State's self-inflicted wounds, a muffed punt, that fumble in the red zone by Taylor Green, and they couldn't execute a chip shot field goal. You're talking this game could have been 50 60 to nothing easily. And that's old school Boise against Wyoming. Yes. And once again, Eaton Crow, I, we talked about, and I will say weeks, I think we both said yes yep. to this, that Wyoming had closed the gap talent wise. Absolutely. Wyoming, the last four years, it was like an average of a six point game or something like that. Yep. And, what in the hell happened, <laughs> and how could you not have your team ready for this game? Well, Jared, you know how it goes. It's a slippery slope when you start questioning people's effort. Um, that is not ever what you want to do, and it is very slippery. Um, that's what will send a coach or a player over the moon because they work their tails off. But if that was Wyoming's best effort, they're in a lot more trouble than I thought. And I didn't think they were in trouble. I thought, man, they lost a hard-fought game at Air Force. 
lick your wounds, go find a way to finally win this game on the blue. If if you guys as reporters went at somebody, a player or something like that, you think Craig would get to the podium and say, I'm a man, I'm 60-something, <laughs> come at me. He would flip. <laughs> he, he warns us all the time not to say anything about that. But, you know, and this is a different conversation for a different day, but is it different now <clears throat> that players get paid? Oh, are absolutely. They, are they amateurs anymore? Or can you say, yo, I know this is not really a Wyoming thing, but a Caleb Williams, if he sucks and you go, hey, he sucked today. This was terrible. He's awful. And I think you've seen that. I, I haven't paid enough attention, but. I think it's, is it Dave Platchy, the oh, columnist yeah. for the Bob LA Plasky, Times? Yeah. Yep. He's gone after USC and Caleb Williams. If you're going to make pro money. Seven figures. Yeah. You and, better be able to take the scrutiny of it. Yep, and Craig Bowl will be the first to tell you, hey, our guys aren't making a ton of money and stuff, but if you make even a dollar, I think it's a conversation. Are you an amateur anymore? I don't know. Uh, not, I'm not saying I want to hammer on, on kids. Don't get me wrong, but, I mean, it really – this wasn't just on Craig Bowl. This, this was a systematic failure across the board. Yep, I totally agree. And for a couple of the people that were texting me during the game saying, is it too early to drink yet? No. Hell no. <laughs> no. <laughs> we had a bar right next yeah, Thorburn and I said, man, remember the old days when you'd watch those movies and there'd be reporters smoking cigars and drinking whiskey? This would have been a good time to have one of those days. You would look good in a fedora. <laughs> With a typewriter. And by the way, folks, if you're walking through Tailgate Park today <laughs> or just happen to see Cody Tucker, you may not recognize him. His beard is gone. Thing was itching, man. It was itching. I'm and dry. he looks like Paul Blart, <laughs> Mall Cop. <laughs> I'm on the prowl. It's absolutely awesome. <laughs> Ladies, the... stand back. He's yep. well. Yeah, he's taken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I knew I wasn't. Have to find some humor in this yeah. week. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't pretty anyway, so I figured I'd muddy up this masterpiece a little more. Uh, the other thing coming into this game, Jared, that was brought up time and time again, it's so hard to believe that the Boise media has been all over Andy Avalos and all over all over that program, isn't it, after what we saw out of them this week? And they, I saw they still weren't very happy with some of the stuff Boise State did. What, the two fumbles? I mean, that's correctable. Which, against <laughs> a team that was ready, they probably would have lost a game that, yep. without those kind of mistakes. Could have. I mean, you hold a team to 112 yards total offense and a Wyoming team that's so powerful on the ground, yeah. holding them to 27 yards, be happy with your defense, folks. You would think. Uh, the other thing everybody kept talking about is this this two-quarterback system. Uh, it looked pretty damn good to me. I thought they actually pulled the plug on Taylor Green a little too early. That first touchdown pass he threw was nothing short of beautiful. It was perfect. And boy, did Eric McAllister have a day for the Boise State Broncos. He was wide open to the tune of seven catches, 160 yards, and that 49-yard touchdown grab right off the bat. And that is a perfect case in point of what do you say about Colby Taylor and how rough of a game he had. Get in the weight room, dude. I mean, you, you got to turn your head at some point. Uh, and also, let's, let's not put it all on him. There was zero quarterback pressure. Zero. But there was one that... I think it was McAllister that caught the one down the sideline. Yep. And Colby Taylor had him at the 10-yard line. Yep. Could not bring him down. Yep. I mean, quit going high. Yeah. Go low. Ankles will take anybody out. Yep. 
Oh, I remember early in the game, Shea Suinoa met, met Ashton Genty in the hole, and he met him high, and he took a ride. And by the way, thank God Ashton Genty went out and yeah, didn't play knows? in the second half because that dude was already rolling. He had six carries, 53 yards. And thank God for Gibbs and Suinoa because <laughs> yeah. they had a day. Yeah. <laughs> they were busy. They were very busy. Uh, but if Ashton Genty plays that entire game, I mean – that's what I. That's what really stood out to me in person, and I don't know if you saw it the same way, Jared, but the lines for the Cowboys were moving backwards every single snap on both sides of the ball. It reminded you of an Air Force rushing attack at mm-hmm. times because it was five yards, five yards, yep. five yards. The holes were huge. They were getting pressure right off the bat. I mean, it was just... And it showed, you know, they <sighs> only had a 4.5 average, but they ran the ball 50 times. <laughs> Which is another reason this wasn't a 60 to nothing game. The clock was running. Yeah, and of course, what a perfect time for George Halani to come back after uh, he's been out the majority of the season since the opener against Washington. He comes back 20 carries, 75 yards. Um, He was just a bulldog, just picking up five, six, four. And unlike Wyoming, Boise State found themselves, kind of like you said, with Air Force in third and shorts all day long. And they stayed on the field for 40 minutes. And I heard their SID say, this is the longest Boise State's had the football since 2018 against, let me check my notes, uh, Wyoming. <laughs> I, I guess I've never seen a team have some another team's number quite so badly, whether it's heartbreaking fashion or beatdown fashion. And if you think about that 2016 game, if Chase Appleby doesn't come in there and force that fumble, I think we all in the stands went, Oh, boy, here's where Boise State goes right down the field and wins this thing. Yeah, and then Wyoming has a donut in front of that instead (laughs) of a one. Yes, yeah, very close to a donut for sure. Um, Just just hideous. All the way around, just hideous. And you like having CSU right now to refocus these cats, you would imagine? It's probably the best case scenario at this point. Because what if they're playing Nevada tomorrow or today, or or they're playing New Mexico today, or be a hell of a lot closer than than you want it to be, and probably have to scrape out something in the end if they ended up winning. This is the best case scenario. Short week, even too, to practice on a Sunday, which they normally have Sunday off. I think is great. And Savell said they had a really good practice, Um, so I do believe it was the best case scenario. Uh, Crowd is supposed to be really good. Um, I heard earlier in the week that there were um, ticket sales were going as good as homecoming, good. which we both knew or know that that was a great crowd. And, you know, the students are going to be raucous. Yeah. That, that we, are, we already know that. And the weather is yeah. cooperating. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we know that if it was last, you know, last Saturday or last Friday, it'd be chilly yeah. um, this evening. No doubt. But, um, it, you know, highs in the 50s today, it's a little breezy, but hey. Um, take that November 3rd anytime. How about a uh, huge thumbs up for the leadership of East High School here in Cheyenne and Natrona County High School for playing their game, taking their option, and playing their game, their semifinal playoff game on Saturday when all these other teams will not do it, and they're going to play on Friday. I do understand why some of the other teams did not do it because their state championship game is actually on Friday, the winner. So they have a full week. So they want a full week. And now, the 4A game is on Saturday, so they still have a full week, which makes sense. And it's Cheyenne and Natrona, the two, the two, the two cities that's going to bring the most fans to Laramie, most likely, which is great. Did like that part. And, you know, and Harshman's a big Cowboy fan. Yeah. 
you know, there's and he has two or three guys on his staff that are big Cowboy fans. Yeah, well, you know, he's like, still got players on that team. Yeah. yeah, so you know, it's 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 good. And then, um, yeah, I praise those guys for doing that, and praise uh, you know, the WHSAA mm-hmm. for actually having that in their in their guidelines. Yeah, to Look, give them the option. I had no idea when I texted Trevor Wilson. He was kind of like, "Well, yeah, it's in our handbook," mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Oh, that that's great." That's great. I had no idea. The minute the schedule came out, that's another thing I've been seeing a lot this week is, oh, they got to play on Friday. That makes it so hard, so I'm not going to be able to go over it. They released the schedule in late March. <laughs> Figure it out. Yeah, the TV stuff probably came out in May. Yeah. But but still, I mean, Figure you have plenty of time. And is four hours taking a PTO really all that big of a deal? To go to the border war? I know some of us have different kind of jobs where it's a little more flexible, but if you're on a shift work, I totally understand that. But you know what? If you want to go to the border war and you're that big of a fan, take four hours off. Yeah. But it's, then again, those – and you see a lot of tickets online for sale, or you did. Um, hopefully they're all sold. Yeah. But they all, get, they all get gobbled up one way or the other. There's going to be a very, very good crowd tonight. I hope so, because they need it. And uh, it's kind of like, you know, as a Phillies fan, it reminds me of, like, Trey Turner being in a slump, and they gave him a standing O and got him going again. Get the Cowboys going again, because I tell you what, their schedule, their remaining schedule is the envy of how many teams around the country. I mean, this is a team where, theoretically, we could look back and go, man, they finished 9-3, and but it could have been so much better. It could have been so much more impactful instead of finishing nine and three and watching the Mountain West title game at home like we're going to if if unless a lot of things go the Cowboys way over these last few weeks and there hasn't been a whole lot of nine win seasons in Wyoming football no, history no and yes there are 12 games now to where back in the day there was 11 but uh there is a very good chance and there's so much more to play for nine and three is going to get that Wyoming into a Pretty damn good bowl game, folks. Well, and that's where Savell kind of talked to me off the ledge a little bit. I actually asked him, so you're telling me the world's not ending? And he was like, dude, we have so much to play for. We got a rivalry game this week. We got we have a ton of football. We have a month left. And it's just like, yeah, but that was so, so bad. But if they're turning the page, we all have to as well. I hope they do. I really hope they are turning the page because that's that's the that's a concern, right? That that's gonna linger. I mean, Boy, it just it was it was really bad. Uh, Maddox Madsen, Boise State's quarterback, twelve of fifteen, hundred and forty-seven yards and a touchdown. He was named the conference's freshman of the week, and rightfully so. Taylor Green only three of six, but he did throw a touchdown. He also ran for thirty-two yards and a touchdown. Um, the guy's still a deer. He's still incredibly fast. Eric McAllister, of course, we already talked about seven catches, hundred and sixty yards and a score. He was your offensive player of the year in the Mountain West. You might have noticed I did not do a three stars of the game story this week. Didn't have three stars <laughs> of the game this week. So, Did you have one? Uh, no. Clayton Stewart's my, my vote, he, if there was one. He booted a line drive kick in that game where all of us in the press box went, if that just went to Torrey Horton, he's scoring. You cannot <laughs> do that. But two inside the 20. Yeah, at a nine. Nine, and still had a really good average. Nine points. On the other side of the break, we'll break down this border war, talk about the Colorado State Rams, and the uh, go down the Mountain West standings and the Mountain West uh, slated games this week.
Welcome back to the 7220sports.com kickoff show presented in part by Wild Lotto. When the Pokes win, you win too. Learn more at wildlotto.com. Cody Tucker here with Jared Newland. As always, Border War number 115 between these two teams. The Cowboys have won 10 of the last 14. They've won two in a row. Craig Bowl has won six of his nine against the Rams. I wish we could get rid of that 2020 game so badly. It was so ugly. Um, anyway, Rams still hold a 59-50-5 and advantage in the overall series. Cowboys have been making up some serious ground of late. And when it comes to the bronze boot, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the Cowboys are uh, really padding their lead a little bit uh, since the bronze boot was introduced into the series. Well, and you take away 1900 through 1940, Wyoming owns it. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we can't take those away. <laughs> uh, you know, at this time of year, it, when we play CSU – it's always um, it's always fun to reminisce and think back. Uh, actually, got a phone call before we came on the air and talked a little bit uh, with a guy a little bit about some border war history. Of course, yesterday I made the rounds on social media that uh, some Wyoming fans, I would assume, uh, branded the statues outside of Canvas Stadium with some paint or chalk and put UW on the Rams' asses right outside of Canvas. And people were throwing a fit, and some people were absolutely loving it. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm, I I love it too. I just hope it's removable. To be honest with it you, is. it's okay. Better. Okay, yeah. It's All right, better. that's because I mean you don't want to deface something that's that valuable. To be honest with you, because I mean it's a cool bronze. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't tell anybody. I actually have a I actually have a CSU friend, and uh, Kevin texted me yesterday, and he was all pissed off because he knows the people who who did this artwork for him, and and uh, apparently the 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 wife died and then the husband who did it just died and he was just beside himself. And I'm like, Kevin, it's like sidewalk chalk. Yeah. It'll be okay. It's going to yeah, be Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's harmless and, but it's a good banter. Yes. Um, the, we all know the rock. I'm whoever did this probably painted the rock too on the way down on two eighty seven. I'm guessing yeah. who knows. Um, and then I loved mad dog, the former equipment manager at Wyoming's, uh, response to one of the Facebook things. He goes, I hope Wyoming is protecting all the horses on campus because there's three or four bronze horses on campus now that I'm hoping somebody has been watching out for those. Uh, you know, I haven't seen anything yet come out, but, uh, you know, I guess if it hasn't been done by now, it's not going to be. It's funny. There was this guy in Douglas. I, you know, when you work for a small town newspaper, you have to do all this horrible stuff that you hate. It's not just sports all the time. It's, hey, we have a home and garden section coming out, so we need you to do a story about some guy's garden at his house, and you're like, you couldn't think of a less sexy thing to write about. So I drove around the fancy neighborhood, and I saw that this guy had the, you know, the the bronze steamboat, that or the, the steamboat statue that the, the players all touch on the way out. It has a twin and uh, this guy, he was like a legislator or something. He won this at a auction or something in Cody, and he had it in his front yard, but it wasn't like put up or anything. So I stopped by his house, and we put it up, and he actually had a crew over there the next day, and that that was my story. It was, holy cow, he's got this thing. It's worth a ton of money, and he was get, they were getting ready to lower it down on its on its beam thing, and I said, man, you got to flip that around. And he goes, why? It looks so much different. I go, you always want the horse's ass to face Colorado. Always. Yep. And he said, flip it around, guys. Flip it around. So that was my uh, home and garden story for that one. Uh, had to make the most of it. But uh, I love it. I, you know, as long as you're not sawing its freaking head off or killing the real thing, uh, you know, have fun, man. Yeah. I love it. 
It's it's going to be fun. I I've been looking through some old photos. I'm helping put together at the 1993 football reunion, the last WAC championship team. Mm-hmm. Actually, the last football championship team in Wyoming history, 30 years ago. God. I've been looking through some old photos, and there was one taken in the parlor bar. That yes, I was part of it. Uh, spray painted a bed sheet, <laughs> and um, we actually hung one on the um, overpass on 287 coming in on Third Street that said some not-so-kind words. We had that hanging off of that the night before the game, and then also we had one hanging in the parlor bar, and I was like, wow, I actually did that. <laughs> Look at all this evidence, <laughs> all this dusty evidence hanging around. Um, but it, it was fun. It was all in fun and everything like that. But, uh, yeah, as long as, like you said, as long as there's nothing that's like the field, incident in 2004. I low-key love that. That was a little bit different when they actually <laughs> fertilizer burnt the WIO into the turf, and it was very visible on national TV the next day, <laughs> and Wyoming ended up paying for it on the field, too. Yeah, that was my biggest concern when I heard about that news. I go, oh, good. You're pissing them off. Great. That's they didn't what need C- any extra. <laughs> CSU was dominant back then, and Wyoming was not, <laughs> to say the least. Um, you know, it always gets the memories flowing with this one we've been a part of a lot of border wars jared can you narrow down one or two of your favorite maybe memories of this game i'll be honest with you most of them are losses which which is which sucks but uh you know anytime you you blank a rival yeah and i i'm not going to recall the year but 44 nothing stands out i'm looking right now Uh, devin moore just goes off that game alexander oh sorry alvester alexander goes off has that 99 yard kickoff return 2010 um what a wonderful memory that was Uh, because that was not a good wyoming football no but and that kind of reminds me of a, a Joe Glenn team that blanked Utah too. Mm-hmm. It was it was a good Wyoming team, but not great. Yeah, and but it was a pretty salty Utah team. Oh yeah, that twenty four nothing. Yeah, uh, so th- that that's a great memory because anytime you can you put a beat down on them, uh, I'll I'll even just go back to last year, just the way it all unfolded, uh, and wasn't all that worried about it. But Jacory Hawkins running down Tory Horton at the five yard line before the end of the half, which would have been a huge, huge game changer. Huge. And then, uh, you know, Jaden Clemens coming in and, and winning the game for Wyoming after Alec, uh, Andrew Peasley goes out. Yeah. Um, th- that's a great memory. No doubt. And the snow game, Josh Allen and uh, throwing the game to – or throwing the the pass to the fullback. Uh, Drew Van Manen laying yeah, out. Yeah, laying out for it in the snow on fourth down, uh, leading them down to, to win that game. Yeah, one of mine, too, like more recent stuff was – the last game ever at Hughes Stadium for the Wyoming Cowboys. CSU goes up really quick. That was against Josh Allen in 2016. CSU went up really quick in that game, and you're thinking, "Uh uh-oh. I believe it was like 14-0 or 14-3 right off the bat, and then Brian Hill and Josh just, they absolutely filleted these guys, and it was 38-17 was the final. They just went on a roll. Chase Appleby had a pick six on his birthday. And it was funny, he just posted – Something about that this week, a, yeah. a reminder of it about being a rival yep. game and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, anytime you get a fat man touchdown and Chase, you're, I know you're not that big, but <laughs> he's um, definitely you, not big anymore. You, you still call it a fat man touchdown because it's a lineman, <laughs> but that that was awesome. It was, and you know, obviously, '96 is always going to be circled. Uh, you know, the Cowboys lose that heartbreaker against San Diego State the week before. They come in and. And, uh, you know, CSU, that's the last game that really had title implications. If CSU wins that game, they're going to the WAC championship game in Las Vegas the following week to play BYU. 
Wyoming goes that 96-yard drive orchestrated by Josh Walwork in the snow, and it was cold and miserable that day in Fort Collins. Step aside, John Elway. This is Wyoming's drive. It was. It was beautiful. 25-24, Marcus Bergen putting the exclamation point on that one. The seas parted on that play, and he waltzed right in. Well, and the number of fourth, third, and fourth down conversions on that drive was just crazy. If he doesn't win that game, Marcus Harris never wins a bronze boot. That's crazy. Uh, none of those seniors. And he may not win the Blitnikoff Award that year Maybe without not. that game. Yeah, absolutely. So that was huge. Uh, to me, 98 was a really fond one. Um, it was an ESPN game. It In was the snowing. Fog. Yeah, the, the smoke from the cannons never left the stadium. Yeah. And Wyoming was wearing all whites, and they were just caked in mud the whole game. And Jay Stoner and Wendell Montgomery. And I remember Kofi Shuck laying out for one. And I remember uh, Jeff Boyle blowing through the line and just hammering Esslinger and uh, just – Robbie Duncan. Robbie Duncan. I mean, that was a that was a great, great game. But honestly, um, maybe my favorite game of all time uh, is 2003. Uh, Casey Bramlett and, and that team that had so little success. Joe Glenn comes in that first year, and uh, Bradley Van Pelt's a senior, and he would always say that Wyoming's not even our rival. It's all about CU. And he had ne- he, they had never come close. Wyoming had never come close to CSU during Van Pelt's tenure in Fort Collins. And uh, that one, I remember the fourth quarter started and the snow started to fall. And it was, I mean, I don't want to get gushy here, but it was a pretty snow. It was. Because <laughs> the, w- the sun was still shining in <laughs> yeah. some areas. But, the, yeah, the snow, huge flakes coming down, just yeah. straight down. Yeah. And Casey throws that ball up for, win- or, um, for Malcolm, Malcolm Floyd. Yep. And he stretches out. I mean... That was so much fun. The best part of that game for me was not only feeling so good for Casey Bramlett and so many guys on that team that had just not had any success. Uh, obviously, Joe Glenn, it was his first year. He beat BYU that year, too. Um, it looked like things were finally turning around. But the beautiful thing for me, because I'm petty like that, that CSU team had some Wyoming guys on it. Bob Vomhoff, Ben Stratton, and to watch them lose was so beautiful I could squirt a tear right now. Totally agree. <laughs> it was great. Will there be another memory after this one tonight? CSU enters three and five, much improved. I hope the only memory is it's a W because <laughs> yeah. I don't want a close one that you're going to remember forever type of a deal. Just, just, just take care of business. Yeah, CSU is much improved. They've uh, they've been a scary team. They're a team that not a lot of play, not a lot of people want to mess with right now because their offense is so potent. Uh, they they made the change at quarterback from Clay Milton or Clay Millen to uh, Braden Fowler Nicolosi. Uh, the kid's a gunslinger, uh, sixteen touchdowns, but eleven picks as well. He's taken some chances in the air raid offense, but he's thrown for two thousand four hundred seventy six yards. CSU had that horrendous stretch that even lasted into this year, where they didn't score seventeen more or more points in a game. That is no longer a problem, and mainly because of guys like Torrey Horton, who we already touched on. Torrey Horton is a really special football player. Uh, he was really good at Nevada before he came over with Jay Norvell. He has 70 receptions for 790 yards and six touchdowns. He's also, as we've seen, an unbelievable punt returner. He returned a punt against Wyoming last year for a touchdown early in the first quarter. Um, he is banged up a little bit, but Craig Bowl said this week he would be absolutely stunned if number 14 is not playing in this game. Something else this offense added was Dallin Holker, big, big, big 6'5 tight end, BYU transfer. He has 48 grabs for 620 yards and six touchdowns. Why can't that be Trayton Welch's numbers? Should be. Yeah, and John Michael Gillenborg. I mean, they have two of them. Yeah, between the two of them, they should 
equal that for sure. Yeah. Uh, don't tweet at me any CSU fans, but I think this this tight end might be better than Trey McBride, and that's saying a lot. It really is. Trey McBride was a stud, still is a stud playing yep. in the NFL. He is. But this guy. Well, you got to hope Keontae Glinton in 2021 did a bang-up job on on Trey McBride. Uh, 2020, you might recall, in that empty canvas stadium, uh, Trey went nuts and he did whatever he wanted to do. But Keontae Glinton, who was obviously no longer with the program, now playing at New Mexico State, he did a really good job. So you wonder if that's Rook Brown's assignment this week, is, and Rook is just not a big human being, and Tory, or uh, Dolan Holker is. Every bit of six five two thirty five. He's obviously he did B, he did the BYU thing and the mission thing. He's older. He's huge, um, really good. He's the one who caught the hail mary to beat Boise State at the end of regulation a couple weeks ago. Um, really good player. So I don't know whose assignment that is going to be. Um, I don't think Wyoming uh, Jay Savell wasn't very interested in telling me whose assignment that's going to be because it might change. What? <laughs> it might change. It's probably going to be by committee. Yeah. Somewhat. I mean, he's just – he's so big. And then, you know, one, two, three, four, five – five pass catchers for this Rams team have more than 200 yards receiving. And don't you think they have to chip the tight end as much as possible when he's coming off oh, the line boy. just to get him off, You'd balance think. a little bit? You would sure think. Yep. I'm going to be really interested to see – to pay attention to Colby Taylor today. Um, I'm sure he will be lined up – well, whoever he's lined up on. Torrey Horton's awesome, of course. Justice Ross Simmons is really good. Louis Brown has been very good as well. Um, good news for the Cowboys. Tyreekus Davis is back. He had a partially torn MCL in his knee um, from the App State game, but he is back. They need all hands on deck. I'm going to bring this term up again, and you guys are probably sick of me saying it, but the bend but don't break t- defense will probably be on full effect tonight. Yeah. Uh, I believe that Wyoming is going to play off the line a little bit, and if they're going to get their yards between the 20s or between the 30s, so be it. Yeah. But they're really going to buckle down when it comes to the 30 in. So I hope so, because the big difference between Dolan Holker and Trey McBride, if you recall, Trey McBride had, I believe, zero touchdowns in the red zone his senior year at CSU. Zero to that guy? Which was crazy. Yeah, Holker already has six, and they're not all in the red zone, but he has six, including along a 42, which might have been that Hail Mary, actually. Um, 12.9 yards per, per grab. Justice Ross Simmons, 15.8 yards a grab. Uh, Torrey Horton has four games out of the first eight for the Rams where he's caught double-digit passes, including 16 in a game earlier this year. He's also eclipsed the 200-yard mark, three touchdowns in a game, Um I believe, without looking at it, that 16-catch game was against CU, too. So it wasn't like he did that against Utah Tech, although he did kill them as well. I hate comparing him, but there's two Wyoming former wide receivers in the crowd this evening, Ryan Yarbrough and Marcus Harris, that he reminds me a lot of because he can do anything he wants to on Mm -hmm. that field. He gets open. Yeah. He gets open and he makes the catch. And uh, Craig Bull talked about it. They've even lined him up in the backfield. I mean, he's all over the place. And I tell you what, before the season started, I picked Taylor Green as the Mountain West Offensive Player of the Year. Um, if I could have that vote back, it would go to Tory Horton. I mean, he's that special. And he's really fun to watch, actually. If uh, you know, hopefully, he obviously gets shut down tonight. But other than that, I mean, this guy's really fun to watch. I mean, he he might be in the Blitnikoff, the final three in the Blitnikoff uh, conversation at year's end, and unless he's really injured right now, which I I don't know. I mean, it is going to take an act of God for this kid not to play. There this year, it's kind of flipped the script on what you normally see in college football, as far as there's no one thousand yard running backs. Now I'm 
I'm taking Jacob Hester from ESPN Radio's word on this because I heard him say that on the radio this week. Um, and he, he's right. Usually you have three or four guys that have eclipsed that within a conference by November 1st. Yeah. Uh, right now, but he said there's a bunch of wide receivers that are throwing out all these numbers that, that are kind of off the charts. So it's changing the script a little bit as far as passing has become such a big uh, entity in college football this year and running, and some of it's because running back by committee too. Yeah. Well, looking at the updated stats, there are two guys that are over 1,000 yards, just barely. Ollie Gordon leading the way from Oklahoma State, Marcus Carroll for Georgia State, and then there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, only seven other running backs that have 900. So it's definitely, uh, you know, and it's following the NFL script too, right? I mean, it's throwing it's throwing league. It's about throwing. And, and you mentioned before we went on the air that if Harrison Whaley is healthy all year long, chances are he's probably knocking on the door of 1,000 if not over right now as well. Because he's missed three full games and just take out the Boise <laughs> Yeah, he missed Boise too. <laughs> uh, speaking of running the ball, though, that is the one thing the Rams absolutely cannot do, have not proven to do all year. Uh, Van Shield is their leading rusher, 67 carries, 200. Or 289 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, he's by far their leading receiver. After that, you get to Avery Morrow, 54 carries for 149 yards. That's just a 2.8 average. So, um, and and this Van Shield kid, he he can hit the long ball. He had a 52 yard run for a touchdown, but he uh, they are not running the football. They are one of statistically one of the worst teams in the country. But on the flip side, they're also in the top five in the country in throwing the football. So, the air raid has never had a problem being one dimensional. And one of the things that Colorado State does not do well is um, not committing penalties. They make a bunch of boneheaded, especially personal foul. Yeah. And you just go back to that CU game where they had a school record 18 penalties. And a lot of them, I mean, one guy ended up getting ejected. Mm -hmm. Actually, two guys, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, It's just dumb penalties. And in a rivalry game, you know that's going to happen on both sides. That's hopefully Wyoming can, can... Keep its composure. Yeah. Because those 15 yarders hurt. And as much as those five yard pre snap penalties have killed the Cowboys all season long. Yeah. They have to keep their composure this evening. That's where I knew last week was about as bad as it gets late in the game. Colin O'Brien jumps on consecutive snaps. Uh, it's just... Uh, it's not like it was loud at that point. No, no. The stadium was about half empty at that point. So it's just, it was a lack of... It was a lack of everything. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to flush that one, too, but I think we're going to keep going back to that throughout the year, especially if the Cowboys finish 9-3. and three. We're going to go, man, if they just would have. And now, talking to some people off the record, yes, that was a fumble against Air Force. Yes, that would have been hugely impactful. So we're going to talk about that all year, and we're going to talk about the absolute clunker at Boise State, unfortunately. So Cowboys have... Every opportunity, every chance to finish this thing on a streak here, uh, and legit. I know nobody likes looking ahead, and people get pissed at us for looking ahead, but in my opinion, there's no reason this team shouldn't finish 9-3 and three on the season. Um, let's go over some Mountain West. Uh, first of all, do you have the standings, Andy, and then let's uh, go over the some games this week. Yep, pulling up the standings as we speak. I didn't know which way you were going to go with this. So, <laughs> Air Force, 5-0, uh, and o, of course, leading the conference, 8-0 um, overall. I believe they're number 17, 17 right now in the country, country now, yeah. And uh, 25 in the initial college football playoff rankings. Yeah, and that's the one, of course, that ESPN shows now. They don't care about the other ones once that comes out. Oh, yeah. Which is crazy. But yeah. anyway, uh, second, 
Fresno State is tied with UNLV and Boise State at 3-1 and one in the conference. Why uh, did UNLV not do in Wyoming any favors last Saturday night? <laughs> they are a hell of a lot better than I ever imagined they would. They yeah, got some dudes. They do. I mean, I watched that game the other night, and I was like, wow. After the, and We watched it in Boise at a restaurant, and man, after that... After the ball went off the punt returner's leg and was recovered by Fresno State, it was an absolute avalanche. But they still had a chance to win, and they dropped the ball in the end zone. They they have some guys that I didn't think UNLV was capable of getting. Yeah. But we'll see. Still another week away. Yep. Um, it's Fresno – or excuse me, San Jose State is 3-2 and two in the conference, and followed by Wyoming 2-2, two and two, Nevada 2-2. Two and two. And then you go Utah State, Colorado State, New Mexico, San Diego State, all with one win. And the Rainbow Warriors with 0-4. Still a lot to play for. I mean, obviously, Air Force is going to have to really mess up not to be in that championship game. But it's it's really a four-team race, in my opinion, for that other spot. Um, Fresno State, UNLV, Boise State, and Wyoming. To see what hap- unfolds here. Well, and Wyoming stretch. can still hold their own destiny as far as UNLV goes. They really need Fresno State, and they really need Boise yeah. State to lose some games down the stretch here, which... Two of those teams are playing this Saturday. Yes, they are, and um, we'll get into that here. Going to be impactful. Um, definitely is going to be you know the the Wyoming game tonight against CSU, and then we go to uh, Army is playing Air Force at uh, in Powerfield. In Powerfield, I always want to call it Mile High, of course. Second lowest over under in college football history in the last twenty years. Earlier this year was Iowa against Minnesota. This one's sitting at 31 and a half as we speak. Crazy. Uh, Hawaii at Nevada um, on Saturday. UNLV at New Mexico. Utah State at San Diego State. And then the nightcap, Boise State at Fresno State. Who do you want to win that game? (sighs) Boise State does still have Air Force on its schedule, and they still have to go to Utah State. (sighs) <sighs> I think Utah State is the most dangerous team left for any of these teams to be playing. Them and Colorado State, yeah. in my opinion. And hey, look, look at Nevada. They're probably going to win again this week too. They're going to they're going to pick up another win in the Mountain West Conference. So, yeah, I don't know. I I guess you got to kind of go for Boise in that one. And Wyoming has the tiebreaker over the Bulldogs. You really wish UNLV would have pulled that off last week. Uh, but the Cowboys can still control their own destiny as far as UNLV goes, take care of them next week, and then Air Force is in. Can New Mexico do a favor tomorrow and upset UNLV? New Mexico's they're still a they're dangerous weird. team. Yeah, they're weird. And UNLV, as you said, had chances. Are they going to come into this game being like, oh, man, what could have been? Yeah. We have a few seconds left here, Jared. Prediction. Wyoming, Colorado State tonight, kickoff 6 o'clock. Game will be on CBS Sports Network. Cowboys 33-17. Go Pokes. Man, that would be nice. Uh, I actually officially took the Cowboys 20-19. to um, Having a front row seat to that debacle last week in Boise has rattled me, to say the least. Uh, I hope your prediction is It rattled right. you so much you shaved your beard. <laughs> it, did, it did. It changed my life. It really did. Uh, Cowboys win this one. Uh, I think it's going to be a really close game. Scary like last year. Um, I hope your prediction is correct. This has been the 7220sports.com kickoff show presented by the Brown and Gold. The show was also sponsored in part by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, Wyo Lotto, Papa Murphy's Pizza, Rocky Mountain Shirtworks, and Lovejoy's Bar and Grill. Thank you for joining us. For Jared Newland, I'm Cody Tucker. Stay tuned for Wyoming football next right here on KOWB.